Welcome back to the Robert Murphy Podcast. Sports are back, which means the New York Mets are back, which means Edwin Diaz is back to blowing saves for the New York Mets. The Mets are currently 3-4, and four, but they're back to doing the same old Mets stuff. That started in Game 2, where Edwin Diaz blew a save to the Atlanta Braves. Same old Mets stuff is happening, not hitting with runners on scoring position, and Edwin Diaz giving up runs in the ninth inning. Two real staples of the Mets franchise the past 15 years. There's two things as a pitcher you cannot do. Number one is smile after giving up a home run, which is what Edwin Diaz did when he gave up the home run to Ozuna to blow the save in the second game of the season. Number two is point to the sky as if it's a pop-up when you've given up a home run. Edwin Diaz frequently does both of these. And that's what the opening is going to be about today. The New York Mets, my favorite baseball team. Let's go back to the Edwin Diaz trade. So the Mets got Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz. Edwin Diaz was coming off of a great year in 2018 for the Mariners, a 196 ERA. He was an all-star, 24 years old. Goes to the Mets with Robinson Cano. The Mets give up an older outfield outfielder named Jay Bruce, as well as three prospects who seem to be very good, at least a couple of them. Edwin Diaz last year, 5.59 ERA, absolutely terrible. Blew a bunch of saves, uh, not reliable at all throughout the year. 2-7 and seven overall record. Going into this year, we were hoping he was going to turn the corner. It looks like he hasn't. He blew that save against the Braves last night. Came in in the ninth, walked three batters, gave up a hit, lit up another run in the ninth. It wasn't a save opportunity. The Mets were already losing, but he could have given up a lot more runs because he left the game with bases loaded and just one out. Luckily for him and his ERA, the pitcher that came in after him closed the door on the Red Sox and no further damage was done. The Mets are back to the same old Mets. They're not hitting uh, with runners in scoring position. Conforto is absolutely terrible, striking out with runners on base. Cespedes, here's a fun stat. Cespedes, I believe this is accurate, 24 at-bats, 12 strikeouts. So half the time he gets in the batter's box, he is going to strike out. Jeff McNeil is playing well, um, opposite field, RBI singles, But the Mets have not been able to hit with runners in scoring position. That's been a general theme for the Mets for many years. And the saddest part of it all is they're ruining Jacob deGrom's prime. He won the Cy Young last year. He could win the Cy Young, very well win it again this year. But the Mets simply do not hit when he pitches. And they only score one or two runs. And then... Um, when they are winning, Edwin Diaz will come in. Here's the thing about Edwin Diaz. It's only a 60-game season. So we cannot fool around with Edwin Diaz and say, hey, he's going to get it together later on the season. Each game that you lose, especially games that you're leading in the ninth and you lose, those matter so much because you're only going to be winning in the ninth a certain amount of times, and you would like to close the door on a high percentage of those. My feeling is we got to put Patanza or Familia back in the ninth inning and the other one in the eighth inning. And then Diaz is only pitching in low leverage situations. We cannot have a game decided by 
uh, Edwin Diaz's ability to get three outs in the ninth inning. We simply can't do that anymore. There's a large sample size last year. Already this year, he's had three outings. Two of them have been horrible. Absolutely horrible. We lost two games to a terrible Red Sox team. We lost the DeGrom start, which wasn't which was a great start for any other pitcher for DeGrom. Six innings, two earned. Wasn't even a great start uh, to his standards, but they should have won the game. Um, bases loaded, no outs, uh, six to four in the ninth inning. Uh, Cespedes strikes out, Cano lines out, the Mets lose six five. It that was a should have won that game. So right now three and four. Luckily, uh, the playoffs are expanded this year, so the top two teams in each division make it. Um, but the Mets they gotta get things together. Cano's got to start hitting. Pete Alonso's got to start hitting. Most importantly, Edwin Diaz cannot pitch in leveraged situations, maybe seventh inning. Um, but the pressure, I thought with no fans in the crowd, it was going to help him because he had a lot of pressure from the fans last year, especially after uh, he started off on a bad note, the boos and everything. I thought empty stands was going to help him. Apparently not. This cannot be a, a wait and see how it goes. Diaz needs to be benched in the eighth and ninth innings. Uh, take his take his glove away from him in the eighth and ninth innings so he can't even go on the field. Um, that's where the Mets are right now, three and four. It's been, it's just been vintage Mets. Like not, I've said this a bunch already, but Conforto cannot hit with runners in scoring position. He hit a home run earlier in the year. People thought, oh, he looks good, he looks good. Not so fast. Um, and then Cespedes, like, I'm not as down on him as much as all the other guys because he's been out for a year and a half, and I think he'll get it together, and he's an otherwise really good player. McNeil's good. I like Rosario. I like the new guy, uh, Jimenez. But the main guys, Conforto, Cespedes, Cano, they got to get it together. And the starting pitching has been weird uh, with some uh, new guys pitching. Uh, David Peterson actually had a really good game against the Red Sox. Uh, I like Waka. He had a good start, five innings, one earned. But the bullpen, we got to make sure that is solidified. The Mets could very, at least should be four and three, probably five and two this year. Um, so I'm going to probably do updates on the Mets, either every podcast or every other podcast, because the Mets are probably my favorite sports team, not just my favorite um, MLB team. So that's the Mets update right now. And without further ado, we are going to talk to lead analyst John Boyer about the MLB, NBA, and talk about the NFL Top 100 list that was voted on by the NFL players. Okay, now we welcome on our lead analyst, one of the classier guys in sports media, John Boyer. John, sports are back. How are we feeling? Sports are back, Murph. I am feeling great. I was watching some NBA last night, had a little MLB on. It, it just it just feels so dang good. How, how about you? How, how are you feeling about this? It, it feels great. It feels like everything's back to normal. Um, still holding out hope on uh, college football. Uh, I know they just announced that the SEC is moving back to like late September, only playing conference games. ACC is adding Notre Dame. They're, pl- they're trying to play 10 conference games and one non-conference game. But it's great to have MLB and NBA back. Um, let's start with the NBA. So recording Friday morning, this is going to come out later on Friday. So last night we had first game was the Jazz versus the Pelicans. Jazz won by two points. What did you see in that game? I uh, wish I had seen more Zion. Uh, 
admittedly, I uh, didn't couldn't flip it on until the second half. But uh, but it, yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I saw late in the game, Donovan Mitchell that didn't really lose a step. Had a nice dish to Go Bear. How about how about Go Bear getting the uh, the winning bucket, being the guy who uh, shut down sports for good in March, uh, coming back right, and getting yeah, the first the bucket. bucket and the, it's a redemption the story. Bucket, yeah. So yeah, he had the first and last. So that was uh, strange how that works out. So that was cool. But the uh, the marquee matchup was the two teams in L.A. Clippers versus Lakers. Really good game. Both of these games were really good. So I, it was really good opening weekend day for the NBA because I feel like all the teams are playing really hard now because they're the only thing going on and no team wants to like get embarrassed or lose by a lot so both teams all four teams are were playing really hard Lakers pulled it off uh, Anthony Davis was unstoppable and so the, the down the stretch if you guys didn't catch the end of the game Paul And rebound made it to uh, made the layup for the Lakers to go up two, and then Paul George misses a three at the buzzer, so the Lakers won by two. Both games decided by two points. My take on it is Anthony Davis is unstoppable, and if he stays healthy, I think the Lakers have to be the odds-on favorites to come out of the Western Conference. What did you see? I think uh, I think that's a little bit of an overreaction. Well, we uh, we saw the first game last night. We're all happy it's back. You know, don't get too head over heels for the Lakers. I, I'm getting emotional. Right? I mean, I <laughs> the I Clippers. And... I mean, yeah, like Kawhi didn't look great last night, but he's still Kawhi Leonard. Uh, and I mean, you saw everyone on the Clippers team. It's that's well, that's one game. Um, they uh, they didn't seem to come out with quite the energy the Lakers did, especially LeBron. He looks happy to be out there. Um, but I think the really important thing that came out of last night is uh, the king of takes is back is back on his game. Skip Bayless live tweeted this game last night. I think he tweeted like 25 times. Um, most, Were there some take quakes? Most notably, uh, here, I'll, I'll, I'll read the best one. Anyone know what happened to all that gray in LeBron's beard? I guess he just <laughs> trims it all off. Color me curious. Now that makes <laughs> only only the important things coming out of Skip's uh, Twitter. Story. Now that makes you think. Okay, I mean, I, and then he followed it up with something. Uh, he had another one, but anyway, he is asking the hard hitting questions once again. It's great to have Skip back. My my Twitter timeline just feels normal again, and uh, this is this is just a return to normalcy that we've been looking for, and it's in form of Skip Bayless's takes. I've always wondered when Skip and people. Uh, similar to Skip are, are tweeting these crazy takes like do they know when they're tweeting it like oh this is crazy or does he genuinely like oh man this guy's beard was gray <laughs> now it's not like this is insane I need to like I was I thinking that last night uh, so he's like I mean he's an entertainer and he knows he's an entertainer but I think he's so deep into the game that he's starting to like just believe it's real life now you know like, he's like morphed into like the take game where it's just yeah, kind of it's just like whoever he was before he doesn't recognize that person you know what we need? We need to reunite Skip and Stephen A. Even for just like a uh, one-hour special on something, they need to be oh back gosh, together. Oh my that'd be awesome. Okay, our audio cut out for a brief second, but we are transitioning to Lou Williams visiting Magic City. Fruit visit. He has to quarantine for two weeks, will miss two games, and will miss out on $150,000 due to those two missed games. John, what is your take on Mr. Williams' visit to the Magic City? 
Well, if you've uh, if you've ever looked up the looked up Magic City at all, um, which I don't know why you would, uh, they uh, they're actually like really known for their wings. So it's not like it's just a, a strip club that happens to have wings. Uh, Lou Williams actually has a signature wing called the Lou Will Lemon Pepper Barbecue, uh, which just sounds amazing. Uh, so I don't know how it's different uh, from like him going to you know. Wingstop or something like that than it is uh, just picking up wings to go. But nevertheless, uh, he probably shouldn't have done it. He probably should have just, like, ordered takeout or something. Uh, so that that sucks for him. Uh, and it's, you know, it's going to hurt the Clippers uh, for several games. I mean, he's one of the best six men in the league. Uh, so we'll see. But that's really, that's really all I've got on that. My my qualms with it, like, yeah, it was obviously not a smart decision to do that. Um and he probably would have gotten away with it if I think a rapper or somebody who was at the the uh, Magic City took a picture of him. My qualms with it is all like the, the sports reporters just making these terrible strip club jokes, and I like I I could not stand it. So that, yeah. that was my only problem with it because they thought all these media members thought they were being funny, like oh Lou Williams is out, you know, dancing instead of like dribbling the ball, stuff like that. And yeah, that, that was my. I, I could not uh, stand that. It was a lot of Ravel type jokes, um, so that was that was my main issue with it. Now let's uh, shift to Major League Baseball. So we finished with uh, about the first week of sports. There's a minor out, or not a minor outbreak. There was an outbreak with the Marlins. I think about 16 players came down with uh, coronavirus and a couple coaches, and so their season has been put on hold, as well as the Phillies who were playing the Marlins at the time, and I think they just have, like, one coach who just recently came down with the virus. In response to this, the MLB has approved uh, a plan to play seven-inning doubleheaders, so uh, two games, seven seven innings each in order to kind of – because there will be more doubleheaders, and it will free up bullpens more than nine-inning games, kind of wearing down everyone's arms when the season is already really condensed. Uh, the other big news, Joe Kelly, uh, pitcher for the Dodgers, who threw at a couple of Astros. I believe it was uh, Carlos Correa and Bregman, and he was suspended for eight games, which in this condensed schedule is equivalent to 22 games in a 162-game schedule. Now, I think one of the pitches was an off-speed pitch that he hit one of the Astros with, um, which he obviously wasn't throwing at him on purpose. The other one was uh, definitely on purpose, and Joe Kelly has a history of throwing at people, and I think that's why the uh, suspension was so severe. But at the same time, none of the Astros were disciplined for uh, cheating and uh, and all that the past couple of years. So there's kind of a code in the MLB. The justice is handled on the field, throwing at hitters. I don't condone throwing at people's heads, but throwing at uh, their tookus their back, their leg, I'm okay with. John, what what is your take on the first week of Major League Baseball and uh, Joe Kelly? Well, I love that baseball's back. You know, uh, I'm a big Atlanta Braves fan. Uh, I took two, two or three from the Mets. Uh, that was that was good stuff. That was terrible. Uh, Edwin Diaz stinks. And all I'm recording this before, but the opening is going to be about Edwin Diaz and how terrible he is. But okay. Go ahead. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, – but yeah, uh, Joe Kelly. 
Oh yeah. Um, I think I think Joe Kelly uh, being suspended for that amount of time in this condensed season uh, is just inexcusable by the MLB. Uh, that's just the punishment does not fit the crime there, especially like you said, uh, how it should be handled on the field. He didn't throw it any heads, and frankly, the Astros deserve it. Um, they just did not abide by the, the you know the un, unwritten rules and the written rules of baseball. Um, I'm by no means a traditionalist, but uh, I just think that that's just egregious that he's uh, being suspended for this long. Uh, I, I thought that his uh, his trash talking in the game was kind of uh, corny, but uh, but he uh, he was kind of doing the job that a lot of people wanted to see done. Uh, it's the, it's not like it's the 30th game of the year. It's uh, first or second series, um, and uh, punishments need to be handed out on the field. So uh, I think the MLB did a, did a pretty terrible job. On the subject of the doubleheaders, um, don't love it, but it's still baseball. Do what you have to do to get through the year. Um, I would like to see nine inning games. Uh, it's one of my favorite times of the year, throwing on on nine inning Braves baseball games, uh, one of my favorite things. Uh, a nice uh, TBS for Eastern uh, first pitch. Exactly. Always I, Braves Phillies action. I feel like that game is always always on. Yeah, yeah. So we we're, we're missing out on that, but uh, it's you know it's it's still baseball. I think we have kind of to roll with the punches here um, and kind of make makes make it up as we go. So um, I, I'm okay with that. Yeah, and you've got to because I think that the teams on average are playing 60 games in 66 days. So that's a day off every 10 uh, games. So for these double, so there's going to be a lot of double headers to make up for this and not many off days. So to concede two innings in a game, uh, I'm definitely okay with. Um, So I think that does it for MLB talk. Now let's shift to the NFL 100. And John, we're going to be getting upset at the NFL, uh, specifically the top 10. Uh, list and these were player picked NFL 100. So the players voted on who they thought were the top 100 players, and they came out with a list. I've got a lot of problems with this list. John and I have not shared uh, who are who is in our top 10, top five. So it's going to be a surprise to us uh, who, who the other person has. Just to briefly read what uh, the NFL players uh, produced: top 10, starting with number one. Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Aaron Donald, Patrick Mahomes, Michael Thomas, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon Gilmore, and Derrick Henry to round out the top ten. Now, I'm going to start with my – do you want to do top five or top ten? We can do top ten, sure. Top ten? Okay, so I will start with uh, ten through five and then – or 10 through 6, I guess, and then uh, you do your 10 through 6. So starting at number 10 for me, I have Julio Jones. Um, I have him as the number one receiver. He didn't, he, he's been in a slump touchdowns-wise, but I don't think that's on him. When he's at his peak, like I remember in that Super Bowl against the Patriots, some of the catches he had, he's pretty unstoppable um, when he's got a guy that, that's throwing him the ball. So I think he'll have a rebound year this year. Number nine, I might get some pushback on this, Travis Kelsey. The tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, unstoppable, uh, led the, the, the uh, tight ends in receptions this year. Really good after the catch as well, good hands. Um, so he's at number nine. Number eight, I have another Chief, Tyreek Hill. 
in my opinion, he is the top receiver um, in the league because of his – so I guess not top receiver, top player in the receiver category because of his return ability, punt returns, kick, return, kick returns. And he really changes the defense because you have to have a safety that uh, accounts for Tyreek Hill's uh, straight line speed, can do a lot uh, with the ball in his hands. Then I got uh, Christian McCaffrey checking in at number – Let's see, number seven uh, can do it all, running back, catching, and uh, and running the ball. And then number six, I have I have uh, Nick Bosa, the defensive end for the 49ers. Uh, he's really tough to block, and any guy that can mess with the quarterback is an impact player, and I think he's uh, one of the best at it. Um, so that's my uh, 10 through 6. John, do you have any comments? I, I think, uh, think you're – Kind of showing your red here. Uh, having I'm, I'm, an un, I'm an unbiased journalist. Well, over Julio Jones. Um, but uh, other than that, I don't I don't have any major issues uh, with your ten through six. Uh, Fair it, it's a little suspect, but yeah, you know, your face is a little suspect. Let's hear your uh, ten through six. All right, hit the music. Uh, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Number ten. I have Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Oh, okay. Aaron Rodgers still has it. He's being disrespected on players list. He's number 16. He is behind Brady, Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and Lamar Jackson. Uh, I think he should be behind about two of those guys. Uh, He is still a top three quarterback in the NFL. Um, He's healthy this year. He's He's also got a chip on his shoulder with the Packers drafting Jordan Love. I think he'll come out and have a phenomenal year. He's a top ten player. There's no, there's no question on that. Number nine, Julio Jones, best receiver in the NFL. He has the best catch radius. He's just unbelievably fast, physical, and he's a pro's pro. That guy just, he's a lunch bill guy. Number eight, Stephon Gilmore, deep reigning defensive player of the year. Just an absolute lockdown corner. Uh, he's probably the most. Uh, Fundamentally sound defensive back in football uh, with all the physical skills to go along with it. I mean, he's an absolute freak. Uh, number seven, I actually agreed with the players on this one. George Kittle, 49ers tight end. The guy can block. He can run. He can catch. He does it all for them, and he loves blocking. Love that about him. Number six, I have Colts guard, Quentin Nelson. Wow. If we are talking about just best players, not, you know, most exciting, you know, not the flashiest guys, but just best players, he's the best lineman in football. And there's no denying his ability. So I have him at number six on my list. Okay, I like that. And, and I feel like you're kind of flexing your journalistic muscles saying, you know, I not only do I watch film on receivers, I watch offensive linemen film. I know the good offensive linemen. So I like that. I think both on the Hawks, man. Some some would say it's a little cocky because you're you're flexing, you know. You're like, yeah, I watch film. So, but I do agree with it. Um, I only have one problem with your list. It's a decent list. Rogers, I'm not high on Rogers anymore, John. And and he's he's been throwing the ball away a lot, giving up on plays. Um, there, uh, Warren Sharp has like some stats. I don't know the exact terminology, but he's missing throws on on schedule throws and kind of waiting to ad lib and and those plays aren't as successful as they used to be earlier in his career. This is a big year for him. As you said, they, they drafted Jordan Love in the first round, and uh, Rogers said in an interview recently he wasn't very happy about it. Um, 
but it's something he's got to deal with. So I think this is a make or break year for Rodgers. Um, so not, not a bad 10 through six. Um, so we'll move to my five through one. So checking in at number five is one of your guys, former Gamecock, Stephon Gilmore. As you there said, uh, he's a fundamentally sound shutdown corner, and there's always uh, a place in the top ten for a shutdown corner. And number four, we have Lamar Jackson, reigning NL MVP. The reason he's not higher, he hasn't he hasn't done it in the postseason. Uh, other than that, he's absolutely dominant, running the ball. Uh, his throwing's gotten better, and he seems like a guy that's going to get better every single year. Uh, so he's at number four, number three. Richmond, Virginia product, Russell Wilson. He's been carrying the Seahawks. They still run the ball a lot for whatever reason. I think they should throw a little bit more. They just added a good safety in Jamal Adams, so I think they're going to make a lot of noise this year. And, and Russell Wilson, uh, even with a poor O-line, um, makes things happen. DK Metcalf, Lockett, uh, you know, he, he can make off-script plays as well as on-script timing throws. Number two, the best defensive player. For arguably the past three or four years, Aaron Donald, the interior lineman for the Los Angeles Rams. Um, you know, he's the best defensive player. Uh, there's not much I, – he gets sacks. I think he's averaging, like, the past 40 games, a sack a game. Um, that doesn't sound right, but I'm pretty sure I read that. And he – sure. yeah, and, and he gets – catches double teams, triple teams, disrupts the uh, – so he opens up gaps for other people on the line. Checking in at number one is the $500 million man, my quarterback, my guy, Patrick Mahomes, coming off a Super Bowl victory as well as the NL MVP the year before that, uh, well-deserving. Not only do I think he's the best player in the NFL right now, I think he can go down as one of the best NFL players of all time as long as he gets – I'd say he has to get four rings to be in consideration since Brady has six, but I think that is well within reach. He's only uh, 24 right now, I believe. And uh, I think Andy Reid's going to be there for at least the next six years. So that's my top five. John, do you have any qualms with that? No, I, I actually, I, that sounds pretty good. I have one that I'm going to bring up during mine that I think is egregious. You left this guy out of the top 10 entirely. Okay, um, fair enough. Let, let's hear your top five. All right, um, so at number five, I have Lamar Jackson at five. Um, I think you had him at four. Yeah. Um, you know, similar to what you said, uh, we have a small sample size. Um, there's no doubting his ability um, as a runner, and he's gotten just a lot better, at least been a lot better of a passer than I thought he'd be. Um, but, I mean, he makes guys miss, and he, like you said, needs to prove in the playoffs, um, but he's at five. Russell Wilson is at four, and this guy makes all the throws. I mean, you, every every single week he's going, throwing across his body, making just dimes across the field, um, and obviously can still run. He's doing it with probably the worst O-line in football, um, and he's also in the toughest division. I mean, the NFC West is absurd. This year it just got better, too. Yeah. So, uh so he's doing all of that with, you know, a ragtag group of guys, um, and he just keeps doing it. He's uh, – is he 30 yet? He's probably 30. Yeah, um, yeah, I think he just turned 30. So, I mean, he's, he's in his prime. We know what he can do. Teams have film on him. They can't stop him. So he's at four. Number three, this is 
where I cannot believe you left this guy out. Christian McCaffrey, Panthers running back. Christian I, McCaffrey is the most skilled guy catching and running the ball in football. For the record, he, I did I did have McCaffrey at seven. Oh, okay. I think I, think I said him right, but I, on my list. Okay, you might have. I might have been. Uh, I might have been uh, doodling here or something. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I had him at seven. Okay. Well, nevertheless, number he's at number three on my list. So. Okay. Uh, and he, I mean, the guy, it speaks for itself. Um, he has the most catches as a running back in the last five years or whatever, three years since he's been in the league. Um, he just. He can run inside, he can run outside, he does it all. Number two, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, your MVP, your guy, $500 million man. Royals minority owner, Patrick Mahomes? True, um, yes, yes. So, you know, like you said, he makes all the throws. He's uh, he's won a Super Bowl, could get down as an all-time great if he stays healthy. The Chiefs, I mean, they're going to get him in five years. His contract would be a bargain. And uh, yep. they'll and you to, to add weapons around him. And my number one player for the 2020 season is Rams D-tackle Aaron Donald. The guy is a freak. Uh, he's This is, again, me uh, flexing my uh, – it's not even. This is not flexing at all. This is just Aaron Donald being a beast. Uh, you know, he's, he's the best guy year in and year out. Uh, I don't see him slowing down anytime soon. Uh, he's the most dominant player in football, so – I don't really have much more to say about him. He's he's the best. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't have too many qualms with yours. Um, and then Donald Mahomes for me is just like Mahomes plays quarterback, which is yeah. a more impactful uh, position than, than Donald. So I I think you could go either way depending on on the way you look at it. If you think defensive line, I guess there's no real way to say defensive line is more important than quarterback. But you could argue that Donald uh, has been more dominant, especially over a longer period of time. Um, so that wraps up our our top tens. Um, before we go, we'll say one uh, problem we had with the uh, NFL players top 100. It can be anywhere in the list. Um, so for me, let's see. For me, unfortunately, I'm a Tom Brady guy. The last year, so he checked in at number 14 on the list. He was not getting the job done. He didn't have the weapons, but he wasn't able to make a lot of the throws, especially in uh, inclement weather. And obviously he doesn't have much mobility, couldn't score in the playoffs. Last throw was a pick six, which wasn't his fault, but uh, it was a weird way to go out. So yeah, I, think I, don't Brady, that one. I think he should be uh, further down on the list, uh, somewhere in the 20s, and he's in that 14. I think he'll have a rebound year this year, but just going off of last year, he didn't show a lot. So that is my one problem with the top 100. What is yours? So mine is a little bit of a homer pick. Um, but I think it's pretty egregious that uh, 49ers wide receiver Debo Samuel was left off the list. Uh, he had an absolutely phenomenal rookie year. Here's a list of guys who are ahead of him and who made the list and he did not. Raiders tight end Darren Waller, Eagles guard Brandon Brooks, Cardinals safety Buda Baker, Seahawks running back Chris Carson, Bears wide receiver Allen Robinson, Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray. I'm sorry. These guys are all good players, but Debo Samuel showed on the biggest stages why he's top 100 player. He's one of the most electric guys with the ball in his hands in football. He had the most yards gained by a running back. I'm sorry, by a receiver at being after the ball was handed off last year. He yeah. is an NFL top 100 receiver. I think DK Metcalf, who is the sexy pick, was all the way up at number 81. 
uh, DK is a good player, but there's just not that big of a discrepancy between the two rookies. So that that's my that's my biggest qualm, and I uh, I think he'll be on the list next year if he stays healthy. He's come back from injury right now, um, but uh, that that's my pick. Yeah, that, yeah, I, I like that pick. I like that pick because he's one of those guys when the Chiefs are playing the 49ers in the Super Bowl, you would just hold your breath whenever he had the ball. And he did a lot of damage in the first half. And then they, I don't know if he got nicked up, or, but they stopped giving the ball as much in the second half, which uh, really helped. It was, yeah. So, uh, fair enough. Yeah, I guess we agreed on, on a lot of it. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, besides the Rodgers thing, which is my biggest qualm with yours, uh, Pretty sensible top ten uh, lead analyst John Boyer. Um, John, we will. Uh, is there anything else? Any other tidbits you want to add? We'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. Is there anything you're looking forward to this coming week in the sports world? Yeah. Uh, so I saw. I just saw this tweet. Uh, I think it was it was from some ESPN guy. Uh, let me just pull it up real quick. Actually, it might have been top researcher. Might have been from uh, Dan Patrick's Paul Pats. Uh, let's see. Hold on one second. Lead researcher John Boyer digging through his Twitter feed, searching for this tidbit of information. This is why we got John on the network because not only is he a good analyst with opinions, he's a great researcher as well, scrapping for any piece of information he can get his hands on. Now, John, dang it, I can't, I can't find it. Oh, no. <laughs> it was something to the effect no. of, it was right after our saying you were a there lead are researcher. 60, there are 60-plus MLB, NBA, and NHL games live on television this weekend. Wow. Um, and and that, that's what I'm looking forward to. That It's just going to be a weekend full of sports. Um, I'm personally greatly looking forward to the NHL uh, being back starting with uh, 24 teams, going down to 16 teams after the round robin uh, between the top four seeds on each side and a uh, qualifying round for the other teams. Um, quickly, uh, the Bruins and Lightning have the best chance to come out of the East. Uh, I personally think the Washington Capitals will take that. And out of the West, the Avalanche and Blues, the defending Stanley Cup champions, Blues have the uh, best chance. But that is my hockey talk for the week. Go Caps. Wow. The hockey talk. We'll be needing that because I'm not very hockey savvy. That's a good note to go out on. Did you say 60-plus games on TV across uh, the major sports this weekend? Yeah, across all platforms. All platforms. Okay. So we're looking forward to those games. John, you'll be back uh, probably end of next week. We'll probably have another episode uh, either Monday or Tuesday. John, thanks for stopping by. We will talk to you next week. All right, Murph. Always good to talk to you. Stay safe. All right. Later, man. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that interview with lead analyst John Boyer. Now with sports back, I'm going to try and get into a more regular schedule with podcast episodes, one at the beginning of the week, Monday, Tuesday, and then another one towards the end of the week, Friday or Saturday. So twice a week, we got sports back. I'm excited. We've got more guests lined up. Also, if you think you would be a good guest and have something you want to talk about, uh, I mentioned earlier like hockey or lacrosse, I think I want to do like two-minute segments on that. Uh, so if you know those sports or want to talk about them or anything else that you think would be funny or informative, let me know, and uh, we can probably get you on. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week.